The Holy Gospel according to Mark chapter 1. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we hear the story of Noah and the flood, which is one of those biblical narratives that many of us, I think, are familiar with. There are two ways that we hear this story. The first is that we hear it as a children's story, a story of animals and rainbows, a story about God's love for animals, about God remembering um, each and every one of us, about when we see the, the bow in the sky, we think of God. For the adults, we may extend this story to capture all the storms in our own lives. Combine that with the assurance that God is with us, and in the end there is a rainbow where we can see and hear and feel God's love. The second common interpretation of this story is, is that it's not for children. In this interpretation, God is so angry at what human beings are doing. These same human beings that God had created, God floods the whole earth, wiping out nearly everything in a divine fit of rage. This is a story about a God whom you'd be crazy to want to have a relationship with. A God of wrath who is ready and willing to strike down anyone who does not obey God's law. Now, both of these, I think, are, are interesting ways to look at this text, and there might be some truth to each one. But there is a greater message, I think, in reading this story that we can all hold on our hearts. A message that even though we sin, even though we fall short from living a life completely devoted to God, God calls us back. In our text today, in the Old Testament lesson, God establishes a covenant, a promise, with Noah and his descendants. In this covenant, God tells us that in the act of hanging up the, the rainbow in the sky, God puts aside forever the option of destroying the earth. God will never destroy the entire earth again. Instead, God will go to great lengths to nurture even the slightest opportunity for us to be saved. God is a, is a God who loves this world so much that he will limit himself, making that rainbow into a sign as a reminder of his promise never again to flood the world in order to preserve it. Now, the decision to have this destruction over the world must not have been an easy one. You know, I know for myself, I have a hard time trying to decide what I'm going to wear for the day, much less if I'm going to destroy the world or not. But if we look through the beginning of Genesis, 
We see how the sinfulness of human beings led God to make this decision. In Genesis 3, we see that the result of, of sin is disharmony between humans and animals, between the relationships that we have with one another. We see Adam and Eve giving in to the temptation of the forbidden fruit. And then in Genesis chapter 4, it gets even worse. We read about the first murder between brothers Cain and Abel. And then we get to, to Genesis chapter 6, and again, it's even worse. It got so bad that God said that he was sorry that he made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. God saw that every inclination of the thoughts of human hearts was only evil continually. This is what led God to his decision. God was not controlling people. His hope was that we could all live in peace and harmony with one another, but we couldn't. And yet, God's response was not one of anger or revenge. Rather, God was sorry that he made humankind on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. God sorrows over the corruption that human beings made when he created them with such love and care. God was grieved by their betrayal. So he sends the flood, not as an act of revenge, but out of grief. That destruction, of course, in the world was not a total destruction. God does not wipe away everything in creation and then just walks away. The flood is an act of recreation. The earth is clean and he can begin again. Now, as I thought back to this idea of recreation, I, I went back to the creation story in Genesis chapter 1 and, and said, what are the comparisons between the two stories? Is this, in fact, a recreation? All that God had done in the creation story, when he created humans, he said that they were good. But now in the Noah story, he names them as evil. In the, in the creation story, God creates the, the waters and the sky and the earth, and God separates the waters from dry land. And in the Noah story, all the waters come together again, but then at the end, they are brought back and separated once more. God's command in, in the Genesis story um, of creation, God says to be fruitful and multiply, and this is also said in the Noah story. And finally, the importance that humans are created in the image of God is again repeated in Genesis chapter 9. Because of the flood of the world, the earth was given a new beginning, a new opportunity to live in the harmony that God intended. And this is a story of recreation. Which brings us to the covenant that God made, the promise, the sealing of the newly restored relationship between God and us. You know, one of the reasons why I am amazed by God's love for us is because this covenant, this promise that God makes is only coming from God. God enters into eternal covenant with all creation without expecting anything in return. So many times we equate covenant with a contract. Something that both parties have to agree to. 
So that means if God is going to love us, what do we have to do in return? Well, the answer is nothing. God does not require anything of us. We don't have to do anything to receive the love of God, even when we mess up. God is still going to love us anyway. I'm sure that God does this and is fully aware that we are going to sin again. And the, the flood didn't cleanse the human heart of sin. But I think God knows this. And God enters into a covenant with us anyway. He seeks us. He seeks us despite or perhaps because of the knowledge of sin in our lives. Every grief, every tragedy, every shame that is in our lives, God knows about and God loves us anyway. This is the good news that is talked about in the gospel lesson today. Because this covenant that God has made with Noah does not stop at Noah. It, it goes throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, throughout the rest of the epistles in the Bible, throughout the start of the church history, all the way to us. And we see this promise, this covenant, this love of God as we gather together as a community of faith. As we gather around the font and we remember our baptism. As we gather around the altar and receive the, the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ. This is a sign of the promise that God made to us, which will always be with us. You know, Noah had the bow and the clouds as a sign of God promise, God's promise. And we, we have that too. But we also have the cross, which is a reminder of the power of God's love in our lives. The sacrifice that God made on our behalf so that the covenant that God has made with us will always be fulfilled. That will never be destroyed. God said, I will never destroy the earth again. Instead, he will do everything to show us his love and to walk with us to eternal life. Amen.